Sask, can he be encouraging you to buy cryptocurrency outside of the bank stocks uh, that you talk of? Uh, so I know Yael can get into that whole discussion, and uh, I've had many conversations with him, and I still have no idea how the whole system works when it comes to crypto, uh, even though he has sat with me over dozens of segments when I was up in Wilmington trying to explain that way of life, and I'm still a little confused about it. Yael, my friend, uh, I know we're not talking about crypto. Uh, Axelrod wants you to buy bank stocks, and I'm sure that you want to go towards uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, Bitcoin, not crypto. And uh, if we're looking at anything related to the market right now, it's uh, it's all a bit woozy, but energy stocks also seem to be the place to go. I don't know. I don't know the difference between crypto and Bitcoin. So there you go. Even though we've had many conversations about it, shows just how much uh, my attention deficit disorder goes into very different directions when you start laying out uh, the way that you live, uh, Yael. And I say the way you live because you are on the other side of the world with us here this morning. And my typical co-host, uh, Dave Priest, always talks about how we don't get enough news from around the world, either because we're not interested or it doesn't necessarily impact us. I make the argument that there are things decided in your neck of the woods, say Europe and within the European Union, uh, that want to be implemented here in the United States by certain political factions. And now when we talk about energy, uh, give us a little bit of insight as to you know, what the energy picture looks like uh, for consumers and uh, uh, European uh, citizens you know, moving into this winter, which, uh, of course, uh, may be a very difficult one when it comes to being able to heat your home at a decent price. Yeah, and I think what we have to look at right now, uh, it's very clear if anyone watched the F1 Grand Prix in Miami, great race, by the way, um, but uh, basically, or sorry, not Miami, that was down in uh, Austin. And what we saw there was an advertisement by the company Aramco, it's one of the largest, most prosperous companies in the world. It's Saudi Arabia's energy company. And the point that I made uh, just sort of online to the netizens is that I hope Joe Biden is watching this and seeing Saudi Arabian energy being plastered everywhere across the U.S., because that's essentially what's happening right now, is you have this deal with OPEC Plus a few weeks ago. So that was actually here in Vienna. All of the oil countries got together, apart from the U.S. and Canada, and said, hey, we're going to, um, yeah, we're going to go ahead and stop production for a bit, make sure we get our prices up and we can start making profits. And the U.S. is kind of caught flat-footed. Europeans are even more flat-footed. So what we've had to do for particularly a lot of the oil is people are just having to buy arbitraged Russian oil that's coming via India or some of these other countries. That's just on the, you know, trying to get fuel in the car front. When it comes to heating, uh, there we're looking really, really bad. And fortunately, it's been a bit mild recently in the fall. But if we look, uh, you know, upwards towards Germany, if we look at the Netherlands, if we look at Austria, where I am, everything is totally reliant upon the price of natural gas. And the stock that we have of natural gas in Europe is not plentiful at the moment. The Russians are not providing that to the extent they were, mostly because of sanctions. But it also means that the coal plants have been turned on. So we're seeing coal go from 8% of the energy mix, now upwards of 25 to 28, sometimes 30%, depending on the country. So we're much more reliant on coal, and that's kind of what happens when the European Union goes all in on the green narrative. When it actually comes crunch time, uh, there really ain't nothing else uh, to heat our homes. Yael Lasowski from the Consumer Choice Center, just kind of you know laying the, the lay of the land out in Europe as far as energy is concerned. We've seen gas prices sort of level off to an extent. Now, granted, 350 a gallon is nothing to ride home about. 
but you continue to hear places like New England, cold weather states uh, going to be dealing with potential rolling blackouts, two to three hours maybe, uh, depending on the, you know, the, the, the grid. Uh, we see that in California during the summer. Talked about a Colorado power company that shut off power to tens of thousands over the summer uh, through their smart thermostats. Uh, as we talk about your situation across the pond, you know why does the typical South Carolinian listen to this show? Why should we care, or uh, what should we think about how that can impact our lives here home? Bring it home for us, you know, essentially. Well, realistically, if we just look at what's happening, you know, globally in terms of the energy markets. The U.S. is awash in oil and gas and all types of energy products. And specific to Europe, what the South Carolinians have been very generous to do, Joe, very, very generous. Uh, we've basically been allowed to cut down the forest in South Carolina, package that up into pellets, and uh, ship it over to Europe, and it's called biomass. And biomass is upwards of about 10% of each EU country's energy mix, a lot of it coming from the forest in South Carolina, some in North Carolina. And what that allows is for the EU people to say, hey, look, we're green. This is a renewable energy. And realistically, because there is no national energy strategy in the US, there's no stop to that. There's no stop to all of the oil and gas that is funneling into Europe right now. It could be American energy. It could be American petroleum products. Uh, but unfortunately, this administration in D.C. has made it very difficult to export. And the prices, you know, let's say six, seven years ago were not ideal. Uh, if any of you are into energy stocks, you know that. But now the market has changed. And, and particularly those in the European continent are desperate for any type of oil and gas that we can get from outside. Uh, right now, we're much more reliant on Norway. We're much more reliant on Algeria. And as I mentioned, this arbitraged Russian oil that's coming through India and some of these other countries, and it's marked up uh, sometimes twice the price. Uh, but this impacts you know, everyone, because whenever we're talking about that energy mix in the European Union, that is something that Americans could actually profit from. We have all of these uh, industries. We're able to do that. Is the best energy biomass? Is it cutting down South Carolina forests so I can you know, fuel up my Bitcoin miner here in Austria? Probably not. There are better ways to do it. And I think that's why we need a better energy strategy emanating out of D.C. to make that happen. Yeah, yeah, in your mind, why is there no will in Congress? And we could say across the board, because the Republicans have been in charge before and they have not pushed an initiative to sort of develop a long-term uh, domestic energy policy that is focused on things like sustainability and affordability, which are the two most important things when we talk about you know, fueling our cars, uh, heating our homes, cooling our homes down, and then also you know, being good stewards of the environment while doing that. Yeah, and there's all kinds of, of arguments that are bantied about, but realistically, it just comes down to NIMBY, not in my backyard. The French have been very proficient because they've allowed their nuclear power reactors to continue on. They've built more, and now it powers about half of their economy. They're able to do that very well. In the U.S., we do have a great nuclear stock, but unfortunately, we haven't had any brand new nuclear plant approved by our regulatory agencies in nearly 40 years. So there's just a, we just need a, an above-all approach. I believe it was the Virginia governor... Um, who had mentioned that just recently, you know, he was talking about the fact that we have all of this energy supply in the U.S. and we want to focus only on renewables or only on wind. America is a bountiful continent. We have to look to everything because that's how we fuel not just our economies, not just our homes, 
you know, for our kids at night, but it's how we fuel the future of our country. When we have our innovators, when we have our industrial power players across the continent, you know, it's not all going to be Facebook and Twitter and online stuff. We also need to build things again. And in order to do that, we need a good energy mix. And that means all of it. So I think a lot of people just think short term, you know, they need to have those incentives so that they can play the long game. And then hopefully we can avoid a situation that they're facing like here in the European Union. Axelrod here. I got a question for you this morning. We are pushing in America for this green deal that we have to have electric cars. Everything's got to be electric. I'm wondering, in the European side, say in England even, is it just us in America that's pushing this and nobody else in the world? I mean, are we really going to make a difference with the green deal in America when China is putting all those coal plants online? Well, it would it would make a big deal, and the big deal would be loss of production capacity, loss of economic power, and realistically, when we're looking at how those EVs are fed electricity, we're either going to become much more reliant on coal or we're going to buy hydroelectricity from Canada at very high prices. And we're still going to have to get all of those rare earth minerals from either China or parts of the African continent. So I think that the whole thing about the EV is it makes us all feel very good, like we're saving the environment, but we still need that input of energy whether it be in coal, whether it be in nuclear, whether it be in any of the rare earth minerals that we have to put in there. Uh, the Green New Deal is something that is very, very popular in the European continent. If you have the country of France that's trying to ban gas-powered vehicles by 2040, California is uh, a bit further than that, but that is kind of a goal overall is to get rid of the internal combustion engine, get rid of oil products for fueling our vehicles, but that, again, negates how we're going to get all of that electricity. And I think there we just haven't much, had much planning. And the European elites can actually pat themselves on the back because they have this renewable plan. And again, that's thanks to the South Carolinians and their beautiful forests uh, that we're chopping down and calling biomass here on the European continent. If you were to take your magic you know, crystal ball out, where are we going to be in 20 years? Give me the headline today that on the bad side might be in 20 years. Yeah, we'll probably be in a situation, if, if all continues, uh, we're probably going to be in a, an energy importing situation that leaves us very powerless. And I, I fear that, not just for what's happening in Ukraine and Russia and on the European continent, but also the rise of China. They've become much more bold when it comes to Taiwan in trying to take over this uh, representative democracy, much like they did in Hong Kong. And I think that shows some American weakness. And I think the, the kind of reluctance from a lot of people to just say, hey, look, we need an above all energy strategy now. If the U.S. is weak, that means many things. It means our military is weak. It means that our production at home is weak. It means inflation can carry on for much longer than just, you know, an election cycle. This might carry on for a long time. And I think we're going to have to have as many partnerships as possible. We're going to have to get our American innovators you know, on running as fast as possible. If we don't have any of that, then I kind of foresee a situation where we'll be more like a, a Brazil, meaning that we have a lot of resources, uh, but we're not using them very effectively. We have terrible regulations that make it very hard to start businesses, to become entrepreneurs, and we're going to be mired in domestic conflict and political squabbles, um, thinking of the debt limit that we're going to have next week. This is the kind of stuff that unfortunately brings down great democracies, great republics, and hopefully that will not be the case for America. 
Catherine Yael Lasowski across the pond uh, here from Vienna, Austria this morning, providing us uh, a little global perspective on a topic that is on everyone's mind right now uh, when it comes to the future energy, how we produce it, how we consume it, and why we should be pushing our lawmakers and politicians to to come up with a long-term uh, agenda that focuses again on two simple words, sustainability and affordability, so we can continue to live the lives that uh, we have lived in such a prosperous way and to pass that on uh, to our future generations. Uh, Yael, never enough time, my friend, but it's always good to hear from you, and I hope all is well with you and the family. All right. Thank you so much, Joe, and thank you to South Carolina. ConsumerChoiceCenter.org, and he says thank you because we're cutting down all our trees to provide him energy in Vienna, Austria. I didn't know that. How about that? Uh, The more you know here this morning on the Hot Talk Morning Show with Dave Priest and Joe Katz. Yeah. Time now for this morning's Hot Talk Headline.